The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hey, welcome to the show, everyone. Uh, 2.30 today is the big vote on the UN Convention on Rights of Persons with Disabilities. Well, the vote to move forward to the next state. So uh, it's on today, C-SPAN 2.30, but all the other details will be coming forth from AAPD's website, aapd.com. But in addition to that, this is National Epilepsy Awareness Month. As you all know, I'm living with epilepsy, so it's always important to me to educate people and, you know, talk to them, make them aware, try to get over the stigma, uh, which is big. So as we celebrate the month, how great is it by honoring someone who has spent her entire life as an advocate fighting for the rights of people with disabilities, specifically epilepsy. One of the most wonderful people I know, Judy Painter, welcome to the show. Thank you, Joyce. And you, too, are one of the most wonderful people I know, and it's an honor to know you. Well, the feeling is mutual. But, Judy, I must tell you, as you know, I'm very sad. I'm very sad that you will be retiring. Well, I know it came up on it comes up rather quickly, doesn't it? You know, you yes. don't think about it. You think, well, yeah, this is a long time away, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's here, and I'm like, oh my god! But um, I'm still very involved with the Epilepsy Foundation. It's not as if you know I have mentally uh, removed myself from it. Uh, I, you know, I don't know if that's ever going to be possible. Um, but I'm still working very hard. Our Mardi Gras is coming up, and. Uh, um, we have some wonderful, wonderful king and queen and wonderful uh, chair people, and I, I think this is going to be our best ever. Well, I do too. But, Judy, you will be so missed. Uh, I told someone the, uh, the other day, Pittsburgh without Judy Painter, that just doesn't go. That doesn't go together. So let's start well, by you can take me I decided Pittsburgh. to... You can take me out of Pittsburgh, but you'll never take Pittsburgh out of me. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, you know what, Judy? I sort of decided to make this sort of your show, um, you know, so that you would have memories that you could talk about and be able to go back to and listen to. But I think we should start with um, what are your plans once you do retire and we all want to know how you're going to be, remain connected to the Epilepsy Foundation of Western and Central PA. Well, um, I will remain as connected as they let me. Um, uh, you know, uh, it's going to be, you know, we have a wonderful person who's taking over the leadership of the Epilepsy Foundation. And um, I've been very lucky 
and uh, honored, as you know, what it's like to have uh, the same people working for you year after year. So many people who are working with the Epilepsy Foundation have been working longer than 10 years. And uh, so it's like coming home to family every day. Like every day I get up and coming here is like coming to family. I know them. I've been through their marriages, uh, the birth of their children. Uh, you know, we've had deaths in the, in the family. So you know, like we're, we are a family here, uh, just very much like Bender Consulting. Uh, so, um, you know, this will all be, always be part of my heart, and anything that I could ever do to help, I will always be here. Oh, well, we won't let you go. It, I can tell is, you it, that it's right. Sort of, it's sort of my baby, you know. It is your baby. It is. Um, I, I was thinking about this, about your career at the Epilepsy Foundation of Western and Central PA, and as I said, I wanted to do something to sort of take you down memory lane uh, but also for everyone else, for all of our listeners, just so they know, you know, how much you have done. So I thought I would start by uh, you telling our listeners what it was like when you first started the Epilepsy Foundation of Western and Central PA, uh, the size of the office, et cetera, because may, many people may think oh, it was there and, and then you became the executive director, but I know that isn't how it was. So would you mind going over that with everyone? Not at all. Yes, I thought exactly what you thought. Um, you know, I, I had worked for a law firm, and one of the partners was on the board of directors of the Epilepsy Foundation, and that law firm had sort of broken up. I was sort of managing the law firm. And um, uh, they said, hey, Judy, uh, there's an opening for you because I had also been the director of development for United Cerebral Palsy when they did telethons. And they said, there's an opening at the Epilepsy Foundation. I think you'd be perfect for that job. And I thought, well, that would be great. And I heard the word foundation, and I thought, wow, won't it be nice to go someplace where there's a foundation, because I'm thinking that the Epilepsy Foundation had all this money because they called themselves a foundation. <laughs> and I uh, had no idea what I was getting into. Uh, the board of directors interviewed me in beautiful offices over at PNC because, you know, one of the board members uh, worked in the executive offices at, at PNC. And they hired me and, you know, uh, told me, uh, you know, where the location of the Epilepsy Foundation was, and then I discovered it was in a, uh, something that none of us agree with, with who are, you know, how to want to help people with epilepsy, but it was in a, sort of like a workshop called the Vocational Rehabilitation Center, where they had, you know, people with disabilities in a room, like sorting uh, stamps or, or little things like that. And we rented, like, I think 600 square feet. I did not have, I walked in. I was the only person there. Uh, they handed me a United Way Where to Turn book. That was my training. I didn't have an assistant. I didn't have anyone who had ever worked for the Epilepsy Foundation. I didn't have, a, I had a cubicle and a door. And then I think I had a volunteer, two volunteers that came in. Uh, twice a week, and they would get there at about 10 and start planning lunch and leave at 2. Although they were very nice people, but that I started in May, and we had a summer camp in June, and, you know, and then the other thing that I discovered when I got there was that there was no money. 
the budget was under, you know, $100,000 a year. They had a Froggies golf tournament, and that was the only thing that they had, and that was going to be happening in September. So I had to prepare for uh, the... Uh, prepare for the camp, and I had no idea what to expect, and it was an overnight experience, and it was at a place where, you know, it wasn't integrated, so our kids were 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 not integrated or mainstream with the other kids. They were by themselves, and, and it was just a mess. And so it became very apparent to me that I had to get someone in there as a program director, and his name was Rick Boyle, and uh, he had come from UCP, had worked with Al Condolucci, and had some you know, good background experience in, in working with people with disabilities. So we started our programs and started getting some grants, and uh, we put on the Froggy's Golf Tournament. We got some money there. Uh, it was very well organized. I put on the first run for the epilepsy uh community, uh, for the Pittsburgh community, which was with the Epilepsy Pirate Fund Run Walk. One of my board members was a, uh, a work for the uh, Pirates, and they had tried to have a run one time before, and I think it rained, it poured, and, and they made $700, and somebody stole this $700. So I wow. was going to make sure that that didn't happen. So for our first run, I thought, well, you know, I'm going to make sure that people come to this. And um, so for, mm, I don't know if I charged 25 I don't, I don't even think I charged $30. I might have charged $20. I gave them a free baseball ticket. I, for the first 500 people who came, got a free entertainment book. And they, everyone got free uh, T-shirts. And everyone got a tailgate party that included uh, you know, hot dogs and beer and potato chips and pretzels and everything. So, you know, it was the best deal in town. I mean, you know, why wouldn't you go to this? I mean, you you know, you, I should have lost money. I think I made $21,000 because I gave everything away. But 1,200 people showed up to it. I mean, they were, you know, it was just, you know, everyone was lined up around the, uh, we had a, a Three River Stadium and we had our finish line in Three River Stadium. Wow. But I only charged everyone like 20 or $25 a person. And yeah. you made how much? About $21,000. Oh, wow. God. But after that, I did that for a while, and then I was a part of a, a committee for the national organization, and we decided to have teams that would raise money. And once I did that and had teams, it you know it cut down the amount of people to about five hundred, but we made more money. Yeah, right. And right. Now I I'm, now I have teams that are they're raising fourteen thousand dollars. Just you know they they just come as as a team, so it, it's just you know you were there last year. You know how wonderful it was for our twenty fifth anniversary. Ellen it Vanica was. Came, um, we had our memory garden, our, our memorial, no, no, not memory, but honorary, you know, garden, mm-hmm. uh, special people like you, and I just thought it was beautiful. It was a beautiful day. It was. It was beautiful. How many people did you have? I would say we had over 2,000 people. We gave, uh, we gave out vouchers for over 2,000 uh, tickets to a, a pirate game. That was just awesome. 
It was awesome. It's and I yeah, you had from the Pirates Brian Morris, one right. of the uh uh whose wife has epilepsy. Right. And he is one Actually, of the, he wasn't supposed to be, but when he found out that they were doing it, he asked if he could be the honorary chair. Yeah. It was supposed to be Tony Watson. Yeah, that's right. He told me that. He wanted he wanted to be there. He said he hijacked Tony right. um, and told him, I'm going to be at that. And here we have someone, you know, from, as they referred to them, the Shark Tank bullpen of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Exactly. Great and guy. You, you, I, I know throughout the years you've had different pitchers, you know, right. that would right. come that would come to the event. But it really is. It is absolutely a fantastic event. So, Judy, will you be coming to that? Next uh, June. Mm-hmm. I might sneak up there if you're going to be there, Joyce. Joyce, and you were so kind because, I mean, you really had something very important that you should have been doing that day, and you made a point of coming, and I can't thank you enough for that. Oh, wouldn't miss it. Would not miss it. But anyway, listen, we're going to go to break, and then we're going to come back with this wonderful person and great advocate for people with disabilities and friend to all of us, including me, Judy Painter. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back with Judy. Don't go away. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to A Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. How do you know if you're living with an addict? If you think you know all the recognizable signs, you probably don't. If you're listening to and reading from the so-called experts, you probably don't. You need to hear from a parent, just like yourself, who has been there and can tell you what it's like firsthand. Please listen to Afflicted by Addiction with Bradley DeHaven. Our program is heard every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. It just might save your life or the life of someone you love. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at one 866 472 5788. 
Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. Hey, welcome back to the show. We are talking to Judy Painter, President and CEO of the Epilepsy Foundation of Western and Central Pennsylvania. And we, we were talking earlier and at break about what it was like when Judy first started, at, you know, the work she was doing when she first started at the Epilepsy Foundation in Pennsylvania, but also the stigma that she dealt with. So do you want to talk about that, Judy? Yes. Yeah, so when I was about nine years old, um, my mom, I, I come from a large family, and uh, when I was around nine years old, uh, my brother Kevin was born. And um, he was born with a cleft palate and a cleft lip. And I remember my father coming home from the hospital and taking my brother and I aside, you know, to sort of talk to us about, you know, we're bringing a new baby home from the hospital, um, but, you know, there's, he has something called a cleft palate and a cleft lip, and, you know, it means, you know, and he described what it would look like, you know, and and all that sort of thing so that we would know. And, and my mother had to literally, you know, feed him with a an eyedropper, you know, taking the formula and all that sort of thing. So, you know, that was bad enough, and he had to go through operations. And at that time, this was over 50 years ago, I mean, they didn't have all of the things that they have for people who are experiencing that right now. So as time went on, you know, Kevin became ill, and I think he had pneumonia when he was about 18 months old. And my sisters were nurses, and they were very concerned but didn't want to talk to my mother about it, but uh, it became evident that Kevin had an intellectual disability. And, you know, somehow the way that you identify that is the way they crawl and things like that. So not only did he, you know, have the cleft palate and cleft lip, which affects the way he speaks, but then he had the intellectual disability. And we lived in a small community, and although everyone knew each other, and my father was sort of like president of the Firemen's Club and and, you know, president of the school board and things like that, and we had such a great big family. Still, when you have someone that's different, people, children make fun of them, you know. And so, you know, I learned to empathize very, very early in my life uh, what it's like to love someone and have that person be treated differently because they have a disability. So when I came to the Epilepsy Foundation, I was the only person. I was a one-person office, and I answered the phone every day. And the stories that people told me just broke my heart. You know, like I had a nurse call me and said she had a seizure at work, and they fired her because she couldn't get to work because she couldn't drive. And you're thinking, my God, you know, like if anybody should understand something like this, it would be a doctor's office. And then I would have parents call me and say, you know, like they, they never teach, treat your child any differently, and they, you know, everything is all the same, and all the other kids are out there, you know, uh, drawing uh, chalk drawings on the sidewalks and street, and having, you know, electrical things coming out of the, you know, uh, the person's head with their child's name on it. And can you please send me information? And uh, I said certainly. And they say, but please don't put your return address on it. I don't want the mailman or anyone to know that I'm receiving information from the Epilepsy Foundation. And that's wow. Uh, these stories, I, you know, every day I would hear stories like this, and it would just break my heart. 
And, you know, it, it was so evident that there were so many things that needed to be done and so much education that needed to be done uh, around epilepsy uh, that, you know, we got program people in there. And, you know, I started, as I said, you know, the reason I started raising money is because I saw the need that was there. And um, got a grant from the National Organization for uh, someone to work with families and individuals, and we've, and we've been able to keep that up. I have someone who works with adults. Um, I have one whose who specific job is to go out and talk about epilepsy to nurses and students and teachers and anyone who will listen to us. Uh, so we work very, very hard uh, to try to reduce the stigma and I know everyone says there is not a stigma anymore, but there is. There still yeah, is. I wanted to ask you about that. Do you feel there is still a stigma? Yes, I know there is. I know there is. I know there is because I know that I have, you know, well, I don't mean to get emotional. I have people on my board of directors who have epilepsy who will not say they have epilepsy. They don't want anyone to know. And I have someone who... Uh, you know, I'm close to now, uh, but when he told us, he was 18 years old, he's my age now, so it's at least 40 years, when, and he said to his doctor, so I have epilepsy, and his doctor jumped out of his chair and said, don't ever, ever use the word epilepsy. You'll never get life insurance, you'll never get a job, you'll never be able to drive, blah, blah, blah. It just went on and on. That guy lived that way for 40 years until Alan Fanica of the Steelers came out and said that he had epilepsy. And this guy said to me, he said, I figured if Alan Fanica can say he has epilepsy, I can say I have epilepsy. And so then he started telling people he had epilepsy, and every time he told someone he had epilepsy, they said, oh, I know so-and-so who has epilepsy. But it's like the hidden disorder. You know, like no one talks about it until you sort of say, I have epilepsy or that sort of thing. But, you know... When I think about the people on my board who have epilepsy and won't tell anyone they have epilepsy, it's crazy. Because they, they're very high-functioning people, and they think that if anyone knew that they had epilepsy, um, you know, the, the people would feel less about them. Now, you know, there's a reason why they think that way. Obviously, because they probably felt less about people that had uh, epilepsy, or they know people who feel that way. Mm-hmm. You know, that's terrible. Judy. I know. <laughs> that's terrible. That is really terrible. And I know you're right, because I know people that do not want to say they have epilepsy, and they'll get off on this seizure disorder, because they don't want to say the word epilepsy, and it's just... Really terrible. As I always tell people, I'm living with epilepsy and I'm not ashamed. Uh, and I'm not. But whenever you keep it a secret, you don't help all of our young people living with epilepsy. No. And I, you don't help them at all. Joyce, I've worked on this for 25 years. You know, um, and I'm married to a neurologist who tell people that they, they have, uh, you know, a pediatric neurologist who who do not who use the word seizure disorder. And I, for 25 years, I've been complaining to him about this, but he still has not changed. And he's a teacher, so he's teaching his students and his residents and his interns to use the word seizure disorder. 
It's an uphill yeah. battle. It's, uh, you know, it's like, okay, let's say epilepsy and seizure. Mm-hmm. So people at least know who we serve. And there are a lot of, there are so many neurological conditions that have both uh, epilepsy and that, you know, that they have, you know, autism. You know, 30 or 40% of people with autism also have seizures. And there are many um, uh, neurological conditions that, you know, uh, seizures just go along with them. And maybe yeah. the worst thing that happens to these people is dealing with the seizures. Yeah. Why do you think it is, Judy? Do you think it's the seeing the convulsion? Is that what you think it is? Yeah, the fear of it. The fear of seeing someone have a convulsion. People with epilepsy actually don't, you know, I find out never wanted to see anything that shows someone having a seizure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I'm speaking actually tomorrow about how I feel that a lot of times the not wanting to be around, not hiring people with disabilities has a lot to do with seeing people with disabilities. A great example is epilepsy. What don't people like? You know, if you said I had epilepsy, but you never saw anything Mm -hmm. from it, it really wouldn't be the same. I know, but I can can tell you, I was was testifying in Harrisburg one time, and I brought uh, a couple of parents with me, and I was showing a... um, I was showing the legislators that were there what seizures look like and the different kinds of seizures, and those parents got up and left the room. They didn't want to see that. Wow. No, I know. And you don't know how many people, when I tell them I have epilepsy, this is what they say to me. Well, I have to admit, I mean, you know, it is frightening to see. Or, yeah, I've seen it, and it is, really does scare you. Now, I realize the first time you see this, you're that right. if you're the not used time. to it, you would be uncomfortable. But, like, why do you have to walk around and say that to everyone? <laughs> you, you know what I mean? It, just, it, does, I, it does not help this situation that we're in. It does not help at all. Um, but, hey, that's what we're working to change. Right, Judy? Forever. Forever and ever. I I can tell you my... <clears throat> <laughs> nephew was diagnosed as having epilepsy. He had a seizure and was diagnosed as having epilepsy. I also have a niece. Uh, and, you know, it, it was amazing to me. My my uh, brother-in-law, when he found out that his son had epilepsy, went in to tell his boss, and he was crying, and he said, my son has epilepsy. And his boss says, oh, so does my wife. You know, <laughs> I was like... They were wow. so devastated by it, not wanting to let anybody know, but felt that they had to let his boss know. And then his wife, you know, and then my other brother, who's very, very, very intelligent, they were coming home from a holiday weekend, and their daughter had a seizure in the back of the car. And I said, what did you do, Brian? Here I am, you know, working for the Epilepsy Foundation for years and years and years and years. I said, what did you do when she was having the seizure? He said, I was holding her down. I said, what do you mean you're holding her down? He said, why were you, why were you holding it? I said, why were you holding her down? He said, so she would stop t- shaking. So, oh. 
you know, I know more people have seizures than have heart attacks, and one of the other things that I would love to do would be to work with, like, Carnegie Mellon or something to come up with a, an Annie doll that, sem- you know, would simulate someone having a seizure and teach people what to do in case someone has a seizure. Versus hold them down or put something in their mouth. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I can yeah. tell you, ER people don't know what to do either. No, they don't. Emergency responders, police. I mean, I've had stories of people who have, uh, you know, had a uh, complex partial seizure and they were on a bus and they were wandering around, you know, bumping into things and not making any sense. And they put handcuffs on them and took them to jail. Oh, my God. Oh. That's not only, that's happened more than once. Unbelievable. Oh, that's so terrible, isn't it? Uh, yes. And well, so we, went down we have to, a lot more to talk about, but we've I got know. to go to break for a minute. Hey, if you just joined us, we're talking to Judy Painter, President and CEO of the Epilepsy Foundation of Western and Central PA, and someone who has dedicated her life to helping people like me, people living with epilepsy. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away now. We'll be right back with Judy. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. We all face some economic uncertainty in our life. What makes the difference is how we take command of that and survive. Tune in to Strategies for Financial Survival with host Michael Figueroa. Michael has been up and down the road to success several times, and along with his guests, will share the skills of survival. By assessing your strengths and skills and applying them to your future, you can make it through tough times, regardless of your field. Listen every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Hey, welcome back to the show. This is National Epilepsy Awareness Month, and our guest today is Judy Painter, the President and CEO of the Epilepsy Foundation of Western and Central PA. And she thinks she's going to retire next year, but surprise, surprise, we'll never let her go. That is for sure. And Judy. Yes. I wanted to talk about, I didn't get, no, I wasn't there during this time period. Uh But I know from you 
and others that Froggy right. really was involved in the Epilepsy Foundation of Western and Central PA. And actually, I feel like everyone in Pittsburgh knew Froggy because of Froggy's uh, bar and restaurant that at one time this was so popular, everyone went to this uh, bar and restaurant. But I wanted for you to talk about that just so you know, we remember some of the people that were really involved in the past. Yeah, he was a wonderful, wonderful person. He, he sounded gruff, and that's why they called him Froggy. And um, he was a man uh, that could be, um, you know, he felt comfortable with anyone. CEOs from around the city of Pittsburgh came in there when Jack Nicholson was making a movie in Pittsburgh, he went to Froggy's. Uh, when sports writers would come into the city, you know, because anybody would say, "What bar do you want to go to?" You know, they would tell him to go to Froggy's because he served a very good drink. I remember taking new uh, staff members down there just to have a drink, and you know, they were throwing up all night after one drink. I mean, he really poured, and uh, you know, he was a bigger than life person. He was a character that everyone knew. Um, and, and I can tell you, they, they had something in the front of the room that was called the Table of Wisdom, and, you know, people who, as I said, were CEOs from all over the city of Pittsburgh would sit at that table and and laugh and talk, and deals were made, and all kinds of things. Uh, he belonged to South Hills Country Club, as did uh, the Ryans and... and um, uh, uh, a woman, Rich Ryan, sister Polly, had mm-hmm. a little boy who had epilepsy, mm-hmm. and he had Lennox Gasto. And oh for my. anyone knows anything about epilepsy, having Lennox Gasto is the last thing in the world that you want to have. And this didn't start until you know he was you know developing above normal until he was about age five, and then he just you know he would just have seizures everywhere you know so. They would take him to the country club, and you know, they had to watch him in the water. But I mean, he would just have drop seizures. He would just walk around. He'd have you know seizures constantly. So at that time, Rich Ryan, who was the president of the board, you know, because of Polly got involved because of her son and and Bobby Martha, and you know, a lot of those people got involved with her parents, and went to Frog and asked him to put on a golf tournament, which he did do. And every year he put on a golf a golf tournament, and it was, you know, he and Peter Rockwell uh, were two of the funniest people in the world. And um, so it was it wasn't you know you know one of those it was never boring. I can tell you that. I mean, you know, people would come to these golf tournaments just you know to see uh, Frog and Peter, and uh, the same people came back year after year after year. And you know, raise a lot of money. And uh, one year, uh, we decided that we were going to take all the money and try to get other money. Uh, and we created the um, um, Froggy and Peter Rockwell endowment for children to go to camp. And uh, we raised two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, one hundred and fifty thousand dollars from the event, and uh, went to the Rockwell Foundation, and they gave us another hundred thousand dollars. Uh, to you know, help other people go to camp. He also had a friend uh, by the name of Francis Dean who had a 
a dealership, car dealership in Pittsburgh. And uh, he said, you know, I'm setting up my will, and I want to leave something in trust. And he said, do you know of any charity that you would like me to leave anything to? And Frog said, well, yes, the Epilepsy Foundation. You know, they have a camping program. We call it Camp Frog. And so that person is going to leave $500,000 to our camping program. You know, so Frog did that for us. But, you know, people didn't know him for his generosity. Well, they knew him for his generosity, but not, you know, as deep as his generosity was to the Epilepsy Foundation. And he was a dear friend of mine, not because I hang out at this bar, but because of all the things that he did for the Foundation. And he was just a, a great person. And, you know, and, even, and I think that he's sort of a, you know, a Pittsburgh fixture that people, if anybody knows anybody from any time, and you mentioned Froggies, they've been there or they know of him. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and I just wanted everyone to know, because I knew from you, Judy, that he did so much. I mean, that golf event, uh, the camp, everything. Uh, he, he, because he was so well-known, mm-hmm. he was able to get so much you know, interest and behind all of this. So I, I, I just wanted everyone to know and remember uh, what he did. But I have to move on to another very prestigious, classy, greatest gala in all of Pittsburgh, and that is the Mardi Gras. Yes. Now, I want you to tell everyone how this got started, and also I want you to tell them what did the board think when you first told them your idea. Well, I didn't tell the board. I told Froggy and, and Peter. Okay. Uh, <laughs> For some reason, when in the beginning, when I went to the board and said, this is what I want to do, everyone would say, it can't be done. It can't be done. You know, if I wanted to get funding from the government, if I wanted, you know, it was like, you know, what would you, what would you even, if someone gave you $500,000, what would you do with it? I'm thinking, are you kidding me? But anyway, it, that was, you know, sometimes, you know, yeah, we don't have the board, we had a different board at that particular time, so... I happened to be in New Orleans for a um, meeting of executive directors, and there were about seven of us, you know, that were on something called the Epilepsy Executive Leadership Council, and uh, it was held in New Orleans, and it just happened to be in January, and they were having a parade because they start these parades very early. Uh, there's a you know a parade going on every weekend for many many weeks before the actual you know, Fat Tuesday parade. And so we go to this parade, and I'm standing there with my dear friend Arlene Grelick, who, you know, is a pretty calm person and very ladylike. And um, we're standing there, and the floats are going by, and she's, like, jumping over the curb and screaming, Mister, Mister, give me some beads. Give me, I mean, you know, it's like, you know, these beads become so important to you so I, I i had this shoe box full of beads and i i went to frog and peter and i said listen i said you know why don't we have a black tie event in pittsburgh on mardi gras on fat tuesday and just have a fun event where everybody who comes has a very re- really good time we're not gonna have a bunch of speeches we're not gonna have silent auctions and live auctions and and you know have people sitting there waiting and 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 waiting and dying to get out of there at 9 o'clock. Um, and so we invented the 
the Mardi Gras Gala, and, you know, the first king that we had was Hartley King of King's Restaurant. Oh, so, is that right? Yes, and, you know, he just, you know, he dressed up like this, this, like, big king. He had a big purple outfit on, and he had this big funny hat on, and he had, you know, people rolling him into the event on a, on a, on a cart and a throne, and, you know, so he just made it a lot of fun. We had, because it, because he had so many vendors, we had 780 people at our first event. And we had, we decided to put balloons up, and we had a Dixieland band, and masks and beads, just, you know, little masks and beads at every table. Well, people went crazy. I mean, you know, there's one day of the year that those three bees are, like, the most important things in the world, you know, and they just, you know, people just went crazy with all those balloons and beads and and everything else, and it was something that so many people like that I I can honestly tell you that there are people that have been coming all 20 years. Wow. I'm I'm not always looking for a new group of 800 people. I have people who come every single year, and the other thing is people don't have a hard time getting their, you know, sometimes people buy tables and then they send people from their company to the, t- to the event. Uh, in our event, you know, it, it would be nice if somebody would donate 10 tables back to me, but they don't. You know, cause we were, that room is packed. Oh, it is. I always think about that. You know, other, I've been to galas where people do not, they buy a table, but they don't attend. Right. You don't see that. Nope. (laughs) It's the opposite. Everyone wants to be there. Everyone. Right. We've kept it fun. (laughs) We've kept it fun. You know, we don't have anyone buying tickets. You know, we don't have anyone, you know, cash bar. You know, these people know that when they arrive, they're arriving for a good time, and they have a good time. Oh, and it is. When is it this year, Judy? March 4th. March 4th. And right. March, March 4th, we're honoring who? We are honoring two of the most civic-minded people in the city of Pittsburgh. I, I, I don't think I know of any two people who work harder for our community, and that's David and Cindy Shapira. Yes, they are. They are wonderful. They both are. March 4th. So, Judy, if someone still wants to purchase a table, can they do that? Yes, what we're going to have on November 26th our uh, introductory breakfast where people have an honor, have an opportunity to become a vice chair, and a vice chair just means that you are going to buy or sell a table. And that's going to be at the Duquesne Club on uh, November 26th. And people are certainly welcome to come there. Our chairs, uh, Dan Honorado, Jim Rohr, um, Dave Malone uh, will also be there, and um, and the, oh, I'm sorry, Joyce, the person from EQT. The person from where? EQT, the chairman from uh, Equitable EQT. Oh, um, oh, my mind just went blank. Mine did yeah. too. Anyway, very very good chairman will be there discussing how wonderful and how deserving the Shapiro's are, and as I said, you know. There's no one in Pittsburgh that deserves an award more than these two. And they both work very, very hard for the Pittsburgh community. And we are so honored. And it is you who were able to bring them to us, Joyce, and I can't thank you enough. Oh, listen, they deserve it. They are just 
Wonderful. And I'm telling you, anyone listening to this show, that Mardi Gras, you just can't believe how great it is, and yet it's for a very good reason. Uh, right, Judy? Yes. People, <laughs> because it's fun. Yes. And, and the people that we and honor raising, are all, and raising I mean, we, money for people living with epilepsy. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And we always have someone coming in, talking to us about you know, uh, you know, their life experiences with with epilepsy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's always just so awesome. Well, you told us about this, and you've talked about the walk. With the walk, is there anything that has really stood out to you more than anything? Uh, yes. It's the generosity of people. Uh, we have one uh, mom and dad who lost their daughter to epilepsy. And in memory of her, um, they started a wiffle ball tournament. And... Um, in the last week of March of every year, they have a wiffle ball tar- tournament uh, in, uh, I believe, uh, Indiana. And uh, this has become so popular in that community that they've raised $14,000 for people sitting at chairs and just hitting wiffle balls and seeing which team wins. I mean, a, a bar is involved. And so now they're doing another fundraiser. And um, we have another family who has an Ironman contest. And it's just like an old-time gym where this guy has, you know, just the weights and things like that where the community is involved with it. And they roll big tires and they, you know, they have all kinds of things going on. And they raise thousands of dollars. So the event is not only the event itself, but leading up to the event, there are so many families that are, you know, raising, that are having their own special events to to uh, uh, participate in this event. Right. And 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 I can't tell you how many of those people are coming in memory of someone, Joyce. Oh, I know, and I see that frequently whenever they have that, you know, on they their shirts, uh, yeah. like some Angela's Angels. And yes. Yeah, you know, so many people, you know. Hey, Judy, were you talking about David Porges? Yes, I was. Thank okay. you so much. There we go. So we have all these great honorary chairs at that event, and this walk, I hope everyone goes to the walk. It is absolutely the most wonderful thing ever, period. It is fantastic. It really and the, is. And the, and the Bender people. Uh, my Always employees the love it. They do. They look forward to this every year. Um, but here we all are, raising money for adults and children, living with epilepsy. It is worth every single dime. Well, Judy, what would you say you have enjoyed most serving as the president and CEO? I mean, I can't even begin to think all of the things, but give me some ideas here. Well, naturally, the biggest thing uh, that I have enjoyed uh, working is working with people who have epilepsy and working with families. Um, it has been my, my greatest joy. I mean, I've I've also, you know, 
my board of directors, people like you, uh, you know, Terry, Pat Crumrine, you know, people who work with people with epilepsy and have been so generous. Um, I just can't... The generosity of people and the strength of the individuals with epilepsy, you know, it's, um, as, as you well know, it's a spectrum disorder, you know, because some people... You know, I had, when I was in the hospital with my leg, uh, we have one of our friends who, who doesn't drive, and, and you know, he, uh, he came to see me twice in the hospital, Joyce. His name's Zach. And, you know, Zach doesn't uh, uh, always, uh, you know, he comes in and drives us crazy sometimes. <laughs> you know, he was, came in on, on Halloween, and, and, you know, he had a cow, cowboy hat on, and he was dressed in green. And I said, what are you, the rhinestone cowboy? And he said, no, I'm not. He says, I'm the rhinestone leprechaun. So <laughs> he just, he's, yeah. He has a different girlfriend every week. And, you know, he, he just comes and visits us and because, you know, he doesn't have other friends because mm-hmm. he has this disability. And he's not as high-functioning as, as a lot of people. But yet, I don't know how many buses he had to take, but he did that come in and sit with me in the hospital. Unbelievable. You know, so to meet people like that, you know, and I've known some of these people since they were children. You know, Zach was a child when I first met him. You know, and now he's in his 30s. And, you know, I, I've some of the people I've been working with, I've known all 25 years. So mm-hmm. um, it's a family. <laughs> it's my... It's what I it's what I've become. And also, I know how much you've loved working with all of your friends who had affiliates across the country. Oh my God, the executive directors! Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, I was. They had a retirement party for me that I couldn't attend because I had a bicycle accident and broke my ankle. But um, yeah. We got a, a uh, camera in there, and everyone said their goodbyes, and Art had a wonderful toast. It was funny, but a bit off color, but funny. But, you know, yeah, it was fun. You know, everyone said something, all oh, my dear friends. You know, I've, I've known them for 25 years. Uh, so it's just been all around a great experience. It's wonderful to wake up every morning and come to work and love it every day. Yeah. And you have helped children and adults. Something I wanted to talk about for a moment is I feel you've educated people, Judy. I really do. For example, SUDEP, like no one, this is another thing no one wanted to talk about. Right. They wouldn't even say the word, which I've, why do you think that is? Because, exactly. No, you know, a doctor will tell a parent that their child has cancer, all right? Now, not every child dies of cancer or leukemia or anything else, but not one doctor. I don't know what... We have to take neurologists and put them in a special room and ask them, pick their brains and find out why they absolutely... I mean, it's not common, but it's much more common than people know that people die from epilepsy. I know. Mm -hmm. Because I know a lot of people. I mean, I've just, you know... I'm working with a family now who has very generously donated over two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to us to get seizure rec- to get seizure dogs for for people who need them because their son passed away from epilepsy 
and he loved his dog. And so, you know, and then, you know, the one, and he was in his 40s, and his mother is just devastated. She said, you know, I have so, it's, it's almost worse losing someone in their 40s because I have so many memories. You know, it's horrible losing a young child, but losing a child that is in their 40s is devastating because I have so many memories of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so sad. Right, and, well, no one, and no one knows about it. No one knows about sudden, unexplained death in epilepsy patients. Well, Judy, I have a couple last questions to ask you before we close the show. One is, of everything you've accomplished throughout all this time, what would you consider your greatest accomplishment? In my life, my greatest accomplishment is my daughter. Mm. Um who is just a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful person. I can't tell you how much I, you know, she's so nice. You know, she stopped everything, and when I came home from the hospital, came to Pittsburgh to help me get through my first weekend at home, uh, you know, it took me for the very special things, like, you know, getting your hair done and getting your nails done, those things that are so important that your you know, husbands wouldn't consider quite as important. And, um, um, and I, the other accomplishment is, you know, growing the Epilepsy Foundation. We have offices in Johnstown and in Harrisburg, and we're helping so many people in the central part of the state. Uh, we've built up wonderful relationships with legislators. Um, we've got, we continue our funding when many people have lost theirs. Uh, it's just, uh, I think it's the, the, the people that I've met, Joyce, just like you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Right. Right. And and how many of those people that you've met have, are always out there to help other people? Oh, that's right. That is so true, Judy. That because is so they true. You never know how open people's hearts are. That's right. Yeah, if you reach out, people will reach back. But you've got to reach out first. That's right. Yeah. So, Judy, what message do you want to leave with our listeners today? Well, the one message I would like to leave was, is something from Margaret Mead, who is a woman that I admired. I was always a sort of a, a feminist. I don't know why. I don't know if it was because I went to an all-girls school or not, but oh, I remember I wanted to be an altar boy, <laughs> and the nun almost had a heart attack when I told her that. No, Judas, <laughs> no, Judas. Uh, anyway, it's, uh, the, the quote is, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, concerned citizens can change the world. Indeed, it is the only thing that ever has. And that's what the Evolution Foundation is going to do. Well, you know, that is such a great quote. I end every show with a quote from a famous leader. But you know what? That quote is so great, that's going to be the quote, Judy. That's the first time I've ever done that in 12 years. But because it's you... And because it just says so much, would you repeat it one more time? Sure, but you have to wait till I put on my glasses one more time. <laughs> okay. Never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, concerned citizens can change the world. Indeed, it is the only thing that ever has. Wow, that is so true. Well, listen, here, here's what I want to say, Judy, in behalf of Pittsburghers, but in behalf of all people living with epilepsy, I want to thank you. You are a great role model for everyone else, and we love you. 
Well, I love you, and thank you so much. And thanks to everyone who helps people with epilepsy and other disabilities. All right. Well, we're getting ready to close the show here. Hope you'll join us next week when we talk to Pat Shu from OFCCP. Don't miss that show. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Talk to you next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 